Hebrews chapter 12, the title of the message this morning is Shaken and Consumed. Shaken and Consumed. If you would, stand to your feet for the reading of God's word. We're going to start in verse 25. Hebrews 12, verse 25. The word of the Lord says this. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you that you're so good to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would just be with us today. Let those who would have an ear, let them hear the declaration of your word. That it would not be my word spoken, but yours spoken through me. That you would be glorified in all of it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Just to kind of give a little bit of a backstory of, of the book of Hebrews, I think it's important. This is a letter written... Um, by an, an unknown individual. A lot of indivi- there's a lot of speculation of who wrote it. Some people believe that it was Paul. There's, a, there's a, lot, a large majority of individuals believing that it was Paul. Some people believe that it was uh, Luke who wrote it. Uh, others believe that it was, uh, there was an a evangelist, an apostle by the name of Paulus. Um, that wrote it. Um, there's also maybe possibly uh, Priscilla uh, from Rome wrote it. And so uh, there's a lot of speculation of who wrote it and why they didn't put their name on it or anything. But we do know that it is God's word. We do know that it is important for us. And not only that, but it's, it's a letter specifically written to Jewish believers those that would have a, a Jewish background that have, that have come to know Jesus out of Judaism. And they would have a deep understanding of Jewish scriptures. This passage and throughout the entire book of Hebrews, we see constant calling back to and referencing of Old Testament passages of the Jewish scriptures. And the reason is, is because these individuals who they're writing to would absolutely know and understand what's being said. In this passage that we just read in, the, in, in Hebrews, the writer is talking about uh, a kingdom, a kingdom of God that is coming that will, will one day come and, and it will stay and remain forever. He's talking about the, these things that, are, that, that, that will stick around, that, that do not go away, that, that is not just simply a kingdom that is here one day and gone the next, like the Roman Empire, but instead as a kingdom that is here and will not ever leave. The writer here, he talks two main things that God has done, that God does. As he's speaking, there's two different references to the 
Old Testament passages. Actually, there's more than two, but we're going to go through them. Uh, There's two main ones that he's talking about. The first thing that God does in this passage is he shakes. We see this in verses 25 and 26. It says, See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if those did not es- who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth. Then, but now, he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. What's going on in this in this is, first off, we have to understand who is it that is speaking, right? The very first part of that says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. Who is that him? What, what's, what's being said here and what's being talked about here is God. The individual that they're speaking of, that this author is saying is, we do not refuse God who is speaking. The, these passages, verses twenty. 5 and 26, it's a direct reference to the giving of law in Exodus chapter 19 and Exodus chapter 20. We see where the people, they hear the declaration of the law in Exodus chapter 20, and and they're terrified of the might of God. And, And then in verse 26, where it talks about the shaking, we see in Exodus chapter 19, verses 18 through 20, this is what happens on Mount Sinai. The, God has led his people to the base of this mountain, and, and this is what happens on that mountain. It says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like, like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke to the voice of God, and God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. What's going on is that the the very presence of God is coming down upon this mountain. And this is where Moses goes up for 40 days and spends time with the Lord. And that's where the the stone tablets are made. And he he essentially spends a lot of time face to face with God. he's He's there with the Lord fully in his presence. And when the presence of the Lord comes down, there is this mighty shaking that happens. That the entire mountain, one of the the largest, the greatest mountains in that region, is shaken at its very foundation. We see also God God does some shaking in different places. Judges chapter 5, verses 4 through 5. This is the song of Deborah, and Deborah is actually recalling this instance in Exodus 19. He says, she says, when you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Eden, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the Lord of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. He's saying what's being said here is, is and this is a song, this is a song that, that Deborah is singing to the Lord. Deborah is a judge in the book of Judges. And she's singing this song, and, and this song is, is very much so when, when God enters a place, there is a shaking that happens. That, that the, the foundations of the world shake at the presence of God. Continue on reading in verse 26, it says, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This is God speaking. 
What, what he's talking about here and what the Lord is, is saying when he's talking about once more I will shake the earth and not just the earth but the heavens. He's talking about the day of the Lord. This is, this is when, uh, when the Lord comes. Jesus comes back in our theology, our understanding, right? They, this is an Old Testament reference to a lot of different passages, but we would know it as the time that Jesus comes back, the second coming of Christ. The day of the Lord, the day of judgment. Isaiah 13, 11 through 13, God says this, I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. Joel chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, Before them the, the earth shakes, the heavens tremble, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars no longer shine. The Lord thunders. At the head of his army, his forces are beyond number, and mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? What this passage in Hebrews is referencing is, is this shaking that happens when God comes back. When, the, when there's the day of the Lord comes, there is this final great shaking of the world that happens. It's actually more of a reference, and, and I reference Isaiah 13 and Joel chapter 2, but, but really this is, uh, this is a, a reference mainly to Haggai chapter 2. It says this, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. What God is saying in this moment is he's, he's going to be shaking away everything that is not eternal. That he will, when God comes, he shakes away those things that are unwanted in the kingdom of God. And when the Lord comes finally on the day of the Lord, he will shake away everything that has no eternal significance. God shakes away anything that really doesn't matter in the kingdom, really doesn't have an eternity. It's like the, those moments if you, if you ever walk around in the mud. Anybody walk around in the mud? Maybe just me. Um, you ever walk around in the mud and you get a bunch of mud on your shoes. You know, when I, I was growing up, I spent the summers at uh, my grandfather's farm. And there would be, after some rains, there was a lot of clay that was in uh, the pastures. And I would walk around and it would be so bad that, that even the, the boots I was wearing would get stuck and I'd have to actually like take off my shoe and hop all the way back to the, to the house because I couldn't pull out my, my boot. But then you get the boot out and it's covered in chunks of mud. If, you, if you've never experienced this in September, after a nice rain, go to Mapleside Farms and just walk around. We made the mistake the first time, Carly and I, going there, that it rained the day before. And we weren't wearing very good shoes for mud. But there's, there's a moment where you can either have to take a, take a hose and spray off the mud, 
Or, my personal favorite, is you just wait for it to dry and then you hit the shoes together and to get all of the mud. You, you shake off the shoes, you're shaking off all of those things that aren't the shoe. This is, is a lot like what God does when he shakes things up. That there is, there is a, a, an eternal kingdom. There is something that, that cannot be shaken, that cannot be overthrown. And God on the day of the Lord will come back and he will shake all of the mud off of that kingdom. He will shake away everything that has no eternal significance or importance. This is the first thing that God does. That when he enters a place, he shakes the place. When you've had an encounter with Jesus, I'm sure your first encounter with the Lord, when, when the Holy Spirit was convicting your heart to turn to him, I'm sure there was a shaking that happened in your life. That there were things that got shaken up a little bit. There were things that you would say, I don't live like that anymore. I don't do these things anymore. Why? Because they've been shaken away because I've had an encounter with the Lord. The first thing that God does is he shakes. The second thing that we see God does is he consumes. If we look at this and at the very end... It's talking about the day of the Lord and all of those things. And at the very end, to round this whole thing up, the author writes in verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. This is a reference to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24, it says this. This is the, the, the giving of the law a second time. That's what Deuteronomy means. It means second law. Moses speaking, and he says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. That God, once he's done shaking off all of the junk, he puts us into a fire that will refine us. God is a fire that consumes anything, and only the pure things get through. This is the idea that, that when we have an encounter with God, we're completely consumed by Him. That, that when He walks into the room, all of the junk gets shaken off. And not only that, but He consumes us with a refining fire that perfects us. This is what happens when we have an encounter with God. This is what happens when God encounters us. He shakes us. And he consumes us. The question that I have for us this morning is simply what consumes you? I wonder if the Lord were to walk into this place, what would be shaken away? I wonder if God spoke right now what in your life would be shaken off? Well, the reality is, is I guess a better question would be, what in your life has no eternal significance? That when it comes to the kingdom of God, when all is said and done, are the eternal significances more than the temporal ones? 
what will be shaken away in your life. And then not only that, but many of us, our lives, instead of being consumed by God, they're consumed by anything and everything but God. Our lives are consumed by relationships. We'd rather that we, instead of being consumed fully by God, we would rather be, be working and trying to figure out our relationship with our spouse. But instead of being consumed by God, we would rather pursue relationship with our children. Now hear me, I'm not saying that family is bad. You've heard me say this multiple times. But in some ways, our family can become, for lack of a better term, an idol. That we would rather be with our family than with God. When Scripture clearly says that comparatively to the love that you have for God, you have to hate your family. Not saying that you hate your family. It's, it's saying that when it compares to the love that you have for the Lord, when you're fully consumed by God, God gets all of it. God gets the full amount. Maybe you're consumed by your job. And having a job, it's, it's a good thing. But it cannot consume us. You know, the, the thing about a job, the thing about a career, the Lord needs more individuals in the, in the professional world. Like, not, not everybody is called to be a pastor, like vocationally. We're called to pastor where we're at in the professional place, to do good works, to, to evangelize, and to make disciples. We're all called to do that. And that's important. But when that position, instead of, of being a tool for the kingdom, to build the kingdom, it becomes something that consumes us, then there's a problem. We need to really strongly reconsider what our job and our priority is. In the same way with our family, as great as it is to have a loving, kind family that you love hanging out with and meeting with and being with, if they are the thing that consumes you over what the Lord wants, over the Lord consuming you, then there is a problem. As much as I love being with my family, it does not compare with me being with the Lord. Maybe you're consumed by, by other little things that you've just decided to make really a, a mountain out of a molehill. Maybe it's small things that you're consumed by. Maybe you're, you've been consumed by, by unforgiveness and bitterness. And the reality is, is that God, when He walks into the room, He will shake that out of you and will burn it away. He will consume it. 
Maybe you're consumed by little things like entertainment. We, we got to make sure that, that we get home in time to, well, they don't really do DVR anymore, but we, we got to make sure that, that we have to binge watch this season that, that just dropped. We have to watch all 12 episodes in the next 13 hours. Otherwise, we're going to lose it. You go through the, the Netflix and it's, it's, it's leaving on Thursday. We have to watch this. You never really wanted to watch it anyway. Those things are, are just little things that consume us. Movies and what to watch, what we listen to. Even I would dare to say sometimes. <laughs> Christian leaders can consume us. We are so somewhat we we live in a in a society today where you have access to any preacher you want you can listen to anybody preach and there's a lot better preachers out there than me but we allow that somewhat to consume us and then we are no longer pastored we're no longer cared for by the body We allow those things to consume us that we, we equate the voice of that pastor on TV as the voice of God. And that consumes us. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with listening to, to sermons or, or preachers. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having your favorite preacher or anything. I got them on podcast. I listen to them throughout the week. But the point of a sermon, the point of a preacher is to point us to God, not to them. And so if our consumption is just simply what this person said versus this is what they said so that I can love Jesus more and be with God more, then there's a priority that needs to change. Jesus, when he walks into the room, he shakes us and then consumes us with fire. John the Baptist writes this, or says this about Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus. He's saying that he will walk into the room and with his winnowing fork in his hand, what that is, is that's a, that's a tool that is used once you've beaten wheat, you will take all of that wheat and you'll throw it up in the air and all of the wheat berries will fall to the ground while all the chaff, the things that, that don't matter, the things that, that really have no significance in making flour or using wheat will blow away. And so this winnowing fork, what, what he's doing is essentially shaking. He's walking into a place, and with his winnowing fork, he's, he's taking us, and he's shaking away all of the things that have no eternal significance, no eternal impact whatsoever, so that we can be purified, and then everything else, all of those things get thrown into a fire. 
The fact of the matter is, is that there will be a time when it is the last, greatest, and final shaking. That is a reality. But before that time comes, when everything is shaken, when all of creation in earth and on heaven is shaken, when all those things are shaken, before that time, Jesus shakes our hearts. The Lord shakes us. So what consumes you? Being in a relationship with Jesus, it's more than just praying a prayer and coming to church. If that's it, then, I mean, honestly, life would be kind of boring. As great as you are and as great as I love coming to church, as much as I look forward to it, tomorrow morning I'll be like, man, can't wait to be back at church. No, God wants all of our lives, the entirety of it. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not saying church is boring. You should be at church. Be with the family of believers. What I'm saying is, is that, that there's so much more to our relationship with Jesus. It's not just about us coming and checking in and checking out. It's not just about us coming and, and clocking in on Sundays and clocking in on Wednesdays and getting your time with the Lord. And then you're like, okay, I'm good. No, it's about us living our lives fully for the Lord. It's about us living rightly and righteous lives. Jesus, when he died on the cross, we talked about it before, he, he makes us righteous. He, he gives us right standing before the Lord. But that doesn't mean, Paul writes this, that doesn't mean that we should continue on sinning so that grace would abound, so that our righteousness could still be there, that we would take for granted what Jesus did for us. No, what we should be doing is we should be living rightly. And the things when Jesus comes into the room... When Jesus comes, when we have an encounter with Jesus in our lives, what happens is, is there is a shaking on our hearts that there are things that need to be taken care of and dealt with. There are things that need to fall off. There is bitterness within your life that needs to be gone. There is unforgiveness within your life that needs to be gone. There is addiction within your life that needs to be gone. And when Jesus walks into this place, when Jesus walks into your heart, when Jesus walks into your life, he shakes all of that out. Every single bit of it is shaken. The things that he doesn't want, the things that does, do not hold water in the kingdom are shaken completely. That's what I'm trying to say. Are you hearing me this morning? Do we understand what's going on? That when Jesus walks into your life, things change. It's not just things change because he wants them to change. It's things change because he wants them to change and you are obedient to making that change. That there are some of you in here that you have been struggling. I mean struggling in life. You have been frustrated, you have been hurt, and you've been deeply wounded. And the Lord wants to heal you of that. He wants to shake away all of that stuff, and he wants to put you in that refining fire to make that heart whole and pure again. 
Some of you have allowed a secret to get into your life. We don't see it on the surface, but God sees it at home when you're alone. Some of you stand on your own righteousness as a badge of honor. And the reality is, is your own righteousness gets shaken off too. All the good things you've done to earn your space, to earn your spot in heaven, it will not do. It gets shaken away. And so what consumes you? So what we're going to do is we're just going to spend a few moments, and then uh, we've actually got some new members today that we're going to be welcoming in, but we're just going to spend a few moments for us just to simply respond to the Lord and allow him to shake some things off. I don't want you, hear me as your pastor, walking around with mud all on your boots. I don't want any of us in this place to leave this place somehow still holding on to or things still stuck to us that have no eternal significance. I mean, we've been talking about this all morning. You get that? The, 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 the thing that was talked about during worship was, was what's holding you back and, and walking into this authority and victory that God has. And, and, and Brother Ray came and talked about getting rid of that, that ankle weight, that anklet that's around you, that's pulling you back, that's holding you back. Hebrews even talks about this. It says, it says, therefore, we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the, the author and perfecter of our faith. What should we do? Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we should run the race with perseverance and we should cast off anything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And so what is it in your life if God spoke now would be shaken off? Bitterness, anger, hurt, anxiety, sin, tradition. What is it in your life that Jesus will shake? What we're going to do is we're just going to ask, and we're just going to spend a few moments letting him do that. Jesus, just shake my life right now. Spend a few moments with him, just asking him that. And then we're going to ask for his fire to consume us, to purify us.
Jesus doesn't just want to save you. He wants to, he wants to make you whole. He wants to refine you and perfect you. But it's, you have to let him move. And so what is that? Father, I pray right now that you would just be shaking. Lord, that even as we go home today, we will find things in our lives shaken because you're shaking them off. We will find our relationships with our family different because you're shaking some things. We will find our lives different driving home because you're shaking some things off. The weights and the bondage of those things that are not eternal. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would shake them off. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart right now. What is it? What's the Holy Spirit doing? What's the Holy Spirit want? Just allow him right now. What is it you want to shake? Jesus, shake our lives. Now, Jesus, we just ask for your consuming fire. That right now, the fire of your spirit would well up in us, would pour out on us. That we would be consumed and refined and made pure. That we would know you deeply. We would experience you in ways that we've never experienced you before because you consume us. Father, you have my heart. Jesus, you have all of us. Consume us with an unquenchable fire. Set us ablaze for your kingdom. Refine us and purify us.
Father, I pray that we would walk not just as individuals who have had an encounter with you, but as individuals who, who lead others to you. That we would burn brightly, that we would walk in every single place we put our foot, your presence is with us. Your power goes with us. That even as we go home, your presence is with us, that it shakes our very household. Your fire would consume it. That our places of work, Father, would be shaken fully because we are walking in your presence fully. That your fire would consume it. Be with us. Help us to be consumed by you and by nothing else. And now, Father, I pray for every single person in this room. Lord, that you would bless them and keep them. You'd make your face shine upon them. You'd grant them your favor and give them your peace. All to the glory of you, Father. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.